Welcome to Protecting Your Assets, the show about protecting people, property, and most importantly, protecting your ass. I'm your host, Lucky Luciano, and I'd like you to join me for a fast-paced and often fiery discussion about security issues with my co-host, Brian the Angry Man Claimer. Whether we're piercing the veil of security, talking your duty of care, or raving about the latest technology, we'll share our thoughts on the issues, the trends that are impacting security today and into the future. So grab a coffee and join us for our latest podcast. And don't forget to like and follow us on our sponsor's website, brianclayman.com. And now let's talk about protecting your assets. Hello, folks, and welcome to Protecting Your Assets. I'm your host, Lucky Luciano Cedroni, with me, Brian, the Angry Man Clayman. Uh, you know what? I think it's been a couple of weeks since our last episode, so it's uh, it's good to be back, and, and I'm eager for this uh, for this one, uh, Brian, because we're going to be talking about basically uh, knowing your limits is what I, I, I think is yeah. a good title for it. We're going to be talking about uh, guarding, uh, loss prevention, uh, basically security operators, understanding what their limits are, um, and what causes some of the issues uh, along that line? So, for example, we'll talk about training. We'll talk about you know expectations and some of the changing dynamics in our society that is definitely going to start impacting the business if mm. it already hasn't. And how our business listeners can hopefully prepare their security operations for some of those challenges. But before then, as usual, we get into the fun part. Not that the other stuff is isn't fun because I think it will be today. But the fun part is always listening to you rant about what's ticking you off these days so let's get into it brian what's uh, what's what's eating your craw now <laughs> well you know this is going to be a fun episode certainly for me because i've got something to rant about i'm teed off and i'm going to talk about that in a second and i love this topic i'm passionate about this topic yep. i think you said knowing your limits uh you could also say when security goes wrong so we're gonna yep. have some fun with this but okay my rant imagine this i'm going to talk about covid I can't. Oh my God! I can't get away from this thing. <laughs> I try. I really try. I thought, you know, once I get vaccinated, and uh, there's uh, some uh, uh, relief with the numbers, I'll be able to uh, relax a little bit. Well, the numbers are going the wrong way. When I thought, okay, you know, the leaders, our political leaders, are starting to get their act together, life will be good. I can't believe it's just getting dumber and dumber. I feel like yep. this is Alice in Wonderland. So, <laughs> I will, can, can I tell you one good thing? I yeah. haven't even told you this. is going to be a surprise. I know you'll be proud of me. I did get microchipped on Friday. So good they're man. tracking me right now. <laughs> good man. Which which one did you get? Uh, well, I went to the government-sponsored uh, sites, the back sites. So they, they it was Pfizer. Uh, okay. I didn't, not that I didn't it matters. Re- I'm not a... I'm not a no, you know. I, no, I'm proud of you. I never realized you were that old. <laughs> that you qualified. They lowered uh, it down to 18 today, so there you go. Oh, I'm okay, well below the uh, well yeah. within the limits. <laughs> yeah, and I know where you set your tent. You do live in a very uh, troubled zone, a high yes. risk zone. So that's yeah. right. It is a hot spot. <laughs> well, that's great. Your your wife also is uh, vaccinated, right? So well, she got it weeks ago because she's uh, she works in a dental office, so she's got the uh, the essential worker. Uh, okay, pass. yeah, yeah. So so so, I mean, so how do you feel? Any chills? Any so uh, different? Every once in a while, I get a tick telling me that you know, the reception's <laughs> going off, but yeah. other than that, I'm good. <laughs> you just stay away from a Wi-Fi transmitter because yeah. it's going to set off the transmitters in your body. <laughs> so I didn't mean to cut you off, but I forgot to tell you, and I knew that you'd be proud of me. Well, I am proud of you, but now I'm also pissed off at you because I was really <laughs> angry, and I was going to live up to my anger, and now I'm feeling rather happy and content. Holy smokes, you know how to screw up a good podcast. <laughs> okay, politicians letting you down. <laughs> okay, politicians letting you down. So... Uh, I'm going to talk about, and this isn't political, although we're talking about politicians. I mean, this is an anti-conservative, anti-liberal, anti-NDP, pro this, pro that. This is just about a failure of leadership, okay? And I'm going to start off with a uh, clip, a video and audio clip for the listeners. It's about 10 seconds, okay? So listen to this clip. As we saw the emergence of variants uh, around uh, around the, the turning of the new year, uh, we increased significantly our restrictions at board at the borders uh, demanding for example a pre-departure uh, PCR test uh, to demonstrate that they are uh, the travelers are negative for COVID uh, when they get on the plane to come back to Canada on top of that as uh, time rolled on we 
added even more measures. Uh, it is now mandatory to get a testing on arrival as well. Uh, there is quarantine for two or three days while you remain, uh, while you wait for that uh, uh, test result uh, in government-approved accommodations for air travelers. Uh, and uh, everyone uh, does follow-up tests while they quarantine in uh, an approved, with an approved quarantine plan uh, once they arrive. There's Prime Minister Fancy Socks talking about Canada having some of the best border control measures of any country in the world. Where does this moron live? Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was so angry when I heard that, especially in light of what's happening with the variants, that I went to Twitter and also LinkedIn and I posted my thoughts and I sent a note to the Prime Minister. I'm sure he read it. I'm sure he did. <laughs> They're at your but door right now. <laughs> some of the comments were just hilarious. Like, for example, one guy commented, uh, and it was very polite. Like, I've got to tell you, maybe on this podcast I'll let my guard down. Certainly with my friends I'll let my guard down. But I try and I certainly keep a professional on social media. I call him Mr. Prime Minister. I refer to him as Sir, you know, or Prime Minister Trudeau or Premier Ford or whoever. So I really try to keep it professional and productive. But uh, uh, one guy commented that not only is he dumb, he's dumber than a bowling ball. And another guy commented uh, on this comment that that's an insult to bowling balls. The bowling balls, exactly. <laughs> I thought that was rather funny, but I didn't yeah. uh, comment or like it. But, but here's the deal, okay? We had an opportunity to stop the initial variants of concern, the UK variants, and uh, months after it was spreading throughout Europe and the UK, it started to come to Canada we thought we would implement some border controls and we tighten up some inbound flights from Britain. It's like closing the door after the uh, uh, cows have escaped. Horses, yep, yep. Horses escaped or the I've sheep the or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Now we've got this double mutant ninja turtle one from uh, East Asia, from India, the Indian uh, variant. Which is brutal. Turtle. I mean, you see Which the news from there. Wow. Brutal. It is terrifying. It is sad. It, it, it's like hell on earth over there. We have it coming through England. We have it throughout Europe. The U.S. are reporting some. We have cases. I think we had three known cases last week, about a 15 this week. So the government, Bill Blair, our Minister of Public Safety, very concerned that we're going to immediately pause flights from Pakistan and from India. Well, that's a start. However, it's here already. And I don't know if the government of Canada realizes it, but India is a developing, in many respects, first world country yeah. with a lot of smart people, a lot of scientists, a lot of international travel. They travel. Luke, I don't know if you heard it. They, <laughs> they leave India. They it's visit Belgium and France. So we're shutting down India. What about the British guy that's infected? Or yeah. the Indian guy that lives in Britain that just saw his parents who's now coming here. What about, and this happened when we shut down Florida and the Caribbean, I think uh, earlier on in the pandemic. Within, I, I was reading this in the Globe, within about 15 minutes of the government announcing that uh, they're restricting flights to and from those countries, Air Canada rerouted everyone. We're able to get around this stuff. There are so many loopholes in our so-called border control. Like, for example... We really want to make sure, according to our prime minister, that we have the strongest measures. Well, you just say when you come to Canada, I'm not getting a test. I'm not uh, going into quarantine. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah. Okay. And you get a $700 fine. So then you, you can bring COVID in? I mean, what the way it should work is that if we have an emergency and you've got to be tested or quarantined, and if you say get stuffed, you get arrested, you get put in a detention center for the 14 days, plus you get a $700 fine. I mean, I don't know what these people are thinking, and I'm going to calm down in a second, but I'm very disappointed <laughs> in former Toronto Police Chief Bill Blair, who should know better, and it's like he has sold out. You know, yeah. it's one thing that all these uh, uh, politicians in Ottawa and... and, 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 and <sighs> Many people <laughs> you really are part, <laughs> you, you know, that they drink the Kool-Aid. But public safety minister, he's public safety minister, right? Uh, yeah. Bill Blair, Chief Blair. Mr. Public Safety Minister, Chief Blair, you have, you're such a smart man. 
what's happened to you? Have you sold out? Or like, I, I can't understand this. I am just livid. Well, and, and I, I, I'm trying to not get into uh, President Fancy Sucks or Prime Minister Fancy Sucks. Oh, you made him a president there's now. Just, there's just so much to, to, uh, to, to take issue with. But one thing that just amazes me is how, you know, again, regardless of whatever political slant you're on, I cannot understand for the life of me how a guy like Doug Ford or the guy in Alberta uh, or the one in Quebec, they are under the gun every day being lambasted through the media for what they're doing and what they're not doing right, what they change their minds on. And this guy, Justin, just Sally, like he's, he's dancing through the tulips. No one holds him accountable. It all starts with him. If you don't have vaccines, who gives a crap how many vaccine clinics you got? You got no vaccines to put in them. Well, I, I agree. You know, everyone is pissed off with Legault in Quebec and Jason Kinney in Alberta and Doug Ford. And you know what? They've made some stupid mistakes. And recently, the the uh, Premier of Ontario has. I think he and the team were just burnt out. Okay, so yeah. I'm kind of a little bit of slack. But here's the bottom line. You're right. Don't be mad at the premiers. They didn't create the mess. And you know what? Prime Minister Trudeau didn't create the mess. But he just had two jobs to do. He had... Get us vaccines, okay, and then close the friggin' border. And if he did his jobs, then all the bullshit that's happening in Ontario right now, in Alberta, Alberta, their case count is double that of yeah, Ontario's. Highest I didn't today know, than, than, than yeah, before, yeah. I didn't know that was possible. And yeah. Quebec, you, you know, they're doing better, thank God. But the point is, none of this will be an issue if we close the friggin' borders. If we would have closed them, well, we should have closed them. We decided last year, I think in March or April, to close the border with the states. We never closed the border with the states. It was a speaking point. And one more thing about your man, Pre uh, Prime Minister Fancy Socks, the guy that you voted for in campaign. Yeah, yeah, that's for. me. <laughs> yeah. He, oh. <laughs> what was I going to say now? It was a good one. One more thing is what you said. And that was one it. more thing. And it, oh, I just lost it. That's how angry well, I am. How about the Americans vaccinating our drivers at the borders? Because we can't do it. I mean, it's it's embarrassing. It really is. It's embarrassing. It's pathetic. Yeah, okay. This is what I was going to say with closing the borders. I mean, you know, he's been an utter failure in almost everything he's done with COVID. He's skating and he's getting away with it. You're right. I just heard, I, I couldn't believe this on the weekend, there was a poll, I don't know who's yes. in this poll or what, that said if there was an election, a federal election held this spring, they would win a majority. I know. I don't, I don't get it. And you know what? I'm really getting ticked off with Gen Xers and Gen Zers. I think <laughs> all us older guys are millennials and baby boomers should just take over the world. You know, we, I'm a baby boomer. We held control for the longest time. Life was good. We passed the torch, not to the Gen Xers, not to the millennials. We passed it to the Gen Zers, to the Trudeauites, and his. Well, he's yeah. he's a millennial, but and his followers, they're destroying the planet. Yeah, I know they say they're trying to save it, but that's well, up for debate. <laughs> up for debate. Up All for right, debate. now that you've rented, uh, vented, rented. Jesus, now that you've vented. And uh, give you a, se a second to recollect yourself or collect yourself and yeah. lower your your uh, blood pressure because I don't need you to, to have a heart attack on on this podcast. Uh, but I think we, we can segue into our topic, which is really knowing your limits. And he doesn't know what his limits are. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, there was an incident really that triggered uh, this discussion or this episode today. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think for me, that's the, the incident that that uh, brought this uh, topic to light was uh, uh, a loss prevention guy. And it's important to distinguish loss prevention from security guards because they are different mindset and they do approach things slightly different, which we'll talk about. Um, I've got a lot of issues with loss, loss prevention uh, um, officers or, or uh, operators, whatever you want to call them nowadays, but they are way more aggressive than guards tend to be generally. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that they, have to show numbers that they're doing something. Yeah. Um, but it all too often ends up in poor arrests like this one, which was at a grocery store. You know, it was an indigenous female, I think, that was being uh, um, targeted or arrested. Not that it matters, but it probably does in this particular case. In any event, she refused to put on her mask. Um, and, of course, they got into a kerfuffle and ended up with her arrest. And it was a terrible arrest. He had no training or poor training. Um, and it was all over social media. So it looked very bad. Uh, for for the industry, and I think that's where uh, at least I'm coming to this uh, episode from is finally 
venting, for lack of a better word, uh, about what we've seen in the industry for, for far too long. And, and I know that you've been a, um, a voice for change. I certainly have tried to change uh, my former employers, uh, certain properties, you know, depending on the property manager, yeah. some of them were more supportive of my approach than, than others. And then there's this belief out there that, you know, guards, you really don't have to worry too much about. They're not going to get you in too much trouble. Uh, at the end of the day, that seems to be the approach, right? They're going to wear it if, if, uh, if something goes wrong. But anyway, that that's where I'm coming from. How about you, uh, Brian? What do you, what do you want to look uh, yeah, listen, I agree 100%. You know, uh, I was faced when I was in my other job with situations, 300 properties across country, many of them retail facilities. We, uh, our security teams would often interface with uh, loss prevention officers and stores. And what struck me was, uh, as you said, a lack of training or where they didn't have enough loss prevention officers to do the job, so the guy's on his own type thing. And they would make an arrest that would go bad. And there's a concept that I created, at least I'll take credit for it, called uh, Brian's concept of proportionality. And although, although the law allows the police to use lethal force to someone that doesn't return their library book on time, and I'll explain that in a second, okay, is it reasonable to think the police will use lethal force for a library book? And here's how I make the leap from a, uh, a late overdue library book to lethal force. You haven't returned your library book, and not that this would happen, but I just use this for the purpose of example. So the librarian tells the city of Toronto that this book is overdue. There's a bylaw that you got to send the book back. So the city of Toronto tells bylaw that the book is at Joe Blow's house, and they go there and knock on the door, and the guy says, F you, and closes the door in the officer's face. So now they call the police. And the police knock on the door, they're talking, and the police officer says, I'm going to give you a ticket, F you, F you, and he shoves the police officer. And the police officer shoves him back. And now we're into a fight. And the person goes to grab the police officer's gun, and the police officer is justified in using the force necessary to stop the, 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 the attack. The question is, how do we get to this? How did yeah. it get here? And that's the problem with loss prevention guys, okay? I can't tell you how many times, especially where we had grocery stores, a metro store, a Sobe store in one of our malls, where someone stole a loaf of bread for $3 mm -hmm. or lettuce. And we had this chase throughout the lobby of the building where old ladies and walkers are being knocked down. And yeah. then there's a fight and security guards are hurt, and the, the perpetrator is hurt, and broken wrists. For what? A bag of lettuce? Bread? Like, there, there is very little oversight, very poor training. And to your point, uh, they are looking at numbers. You know, we always used to say about cops, well, I never did, but people used to say cops have a quota. That's why, they're That's why we're getting all these tickets. Well, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, cops don't have a quota. Okay, uh, uh, there's a whole other thing there. We won't talk about that right now. But loss prevention officers that I've encountered and companies, they do have a quota. And the way the director or the bigwigs at head office are able to justify the expense, the budget, is, oh, they made 25 arrests. The 25 arrests represented so much in loss. Therefore, we're getting value. That incentivizes those loss prevention people, those operators, to arrest anything that moves and they don't know what they're doing half the time. Not always, but half the time. I'm going to take a breath to let you talk because I still have more to say. <laughs> no, you have more to say. I don't believe it. <laughs> yeah. Are I, you being, I, are, are, are you, uh, being sarcastic? Swarmy? Yeah, Just okay. a bit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a different culture. I, I uh, you know, how, how do I say it? Given my, my past, I would say that, um, you know, I worked retail for, for a while. Um, as a copper and, and on the other side. You were not a greeter, a, weren't you? At, at yes, Walmart. I was a greeter, exactly, yeah, yeah. yes. But there, uh, you know, and I mix with that group as well, like that last yeah. mentioned uh, culture. They they do tend to be more focused on making the arrest. A lot of times they don't use a lot of common sense, um, and that's not mocking the guys, but the whole system seems to be driven on making the arrest. Um, but I, I will say that I have in recent years seen some retailers start to figure that out. And I think a lot of that has come from guys like us who've told the property managers, the property owners, the mall owners to say, you know what, because it used to be that 
oh, you know, something happens at my store, call security, yeah. mall security yeah. to come and respond yeah. to it. We changed that, right? Like I, at CF, I know also. we changed that. That culture was there very much in place when I started, but no longer there when I left. Um, we went from making over 350 arrests at one particular mall per year down to four or five. Right. Yeah. So that to me suggests that it wasn't a problem of crime going on. It was really a crime of uh, a problem of training and understanding Cream. what the hell is worth, you know, engaging. You don't engage somebody over a chocolate bar, like give your head a shake. Right. Um, and, and there were some examples where I remember one particular one where I got the phone. Can you imagine your secure, your loss prevention guys are so out of control that the local police authority calls you <laughs> at the head yeah. office to go and check out what the hell is going on at that store. Right. And when I got there, just to make it a long story short, I got there, I found a loss prevention room where they had uh, a tracking on the wall, like a poster. Everybody yeah. had their own code name. There was a, a Hulk and there was a Wolverine and there was an <laughs> Iron Man. And, and they, they were checking off how many arrests they had that week. And I'm sitting there on the bench where they would place the person in custody. And I'm thinking, now, if I was sitting here as a bad guy looking at all this stuff, how would, what would that make me feel like? What is that telling me? Right? Am I really guilty or are these guys just using me as a stat? Like, what's going on here? You know, and that's the kind of environment that, that, that I, I, I've been experienced with. Those Man, I would love to see the court case with disclosure when the lawyer asks, tell us about what your holding room looks like in the poster yeah. on the wall and try and explain that. Yeah. Listen, you, you, you know, uh, I've had, like you, so many bad experiences with uh, arrests that gone wrong. You know, one of the things, one of the problems we had at GWRA, and it was uh, – basically a cultural thing to your point we had one particular location whereby security whenever loss prevention was making arrests they'd call building security and building security would go and assist with the the arrest or assist the loss prevention officer and when i started and i started noticing when i'm reading reports that we're getting into fights for being sued over things that had nothing to do with what our core mission was we're assisting the loss prevention officers for some retailer doing an arrest and then when I called the uh, retailer and I said, listen, you, you know, why are you arresting a guy for stealing a bread? But that's really your decision. But why are you calling us? And he says, well, because they only have one officer uh, operator on duty. And he, and, and he, doesn't have, he doesn't have handcuffs. So that's why I'm calling you. Yeah. So I said, why don't I suggest that maybe you have two guys on duty and get them handcuffs? Well, but they're not trained. And I said, listen, we're not the police. We're here to protect the asset and the occupants and the common elements of the building. It's regrettable that you're losing loaves of bread or whatever material that's being stolen, but that really isn't our problem, and we're not going to respond anymore. I said, with respect, you should call the police. That's yeah. what they're there. Oh, we don't want to call the police because they're they're up, either they're too busy or they won't come or they can't understand why we're arresting this guy for a loaf of bread. I said, well, quite frankly, I can't understand why you're arresting this guy for a loaf of bread. <laughs> uh, and then after, about a week after I had that incident, that, that meeting encounter with this uh, tenant, we had a situation in one of our buildings with my own security guards, okay, that worked for us. And there was, uh, in one of our malls, and these were not loss prevention guys, these were security guards. I had two guards, very, very well-trained guards, so I thought, walked by a store. It was a pharmacy. And the manager came running out and said, stop that man, stop that man. And what did the guards do? Did they say, why are we stopping this man? What did he do? Did they understand if an offense was created? And even if there was an offense created, they didn't see it, okay? Yeah, so they, right. they, they didn't have, we'll get into authorities afterwards, yeah. okay? So they start running through the mall, knocking people over. The chase is on, okay? They go out of the mall, this is downtown Toronto, onto Young Street. They're running up Young Street. They're knocking people off of the sidewalk, okay? They find the buddy that they're chasing uh, carjacks a car, okay? Yeah. Oh, my God. He carjacks a car. And then he's going another block because traffic on Young Street is too, too, too heavy. He gets stopped there. The security, four security guards are chasing him. They get him out of the car. Now the fight is on. There's a fight. They finally get him handcuffed. They call the police, and that was a whole kerfuffle with the police because it was right on the border of 51 and 52, and this guy Nobody. didn't want to call 52, call 51. It was <laughs> yep. a, make a long story short, we bring the guy back. They put him in the cells and everything, and then the guy starts saying he's not feeling well. So I get a phone call uh, to be told what's happening, and I said, okay, well, the guy's not feeling well. Call an ambulance. And they said, 
well, he's just joking. And I said, <laughs> where, where did you get your medical degree? I said, I'm sure he is joking, okay? But in the possibility he's not, call an ambulance. Just call 911. So they call 911. They come. Uh, he feigns some illness. He's handcuffed. Uh, they tell us to take the handcuffs off. We take the handcuffs off. He starts fighting again, so they re-handcuff him. Put him in the ambulance. The uh, ambulance is going to take him to the hospital. And security says, rightly so, he's under arrest. He's in our custody. You can't leave until the police get here. Long story short, police finally come after an hour, take him to the hospital, tries to escape from the hospital in the emergency. We get kicked out of, there's no police there. Get yep. kicked out of the, uh, doctor kicks us out. We're in the lobby. We see the guy leaving. So they arrest him again. Long story short, the police finally get there to the hospital. The guy stole a chocolate bar. Yeah, there you go. And when we did the debrief, I said, well, did you ask the manager, said, stop that man while you're stopping him? Well, there was no time. Well, let me ask you, if it was a chocolate bar, would you have done what you did? Well, no, of course not. Well, the next time, find the time. You yeah. have to understand what you're getting into. There, there, there's a, you know, forget about the training with many, and not all. Most security officers, most loss prevention officers are really professional, really good, and most security companies do a very good job training and supervising. But there's a cohort of loss prevention security that give the whole industry a bad name, and those are the ones we're talking about. And you've got to root out that cohort, that small cohort, in order to make the change that the industry needs. Yeah, and, and it's... They, they need to understand, I, I would say, the property owners in particular uh, who operate the security programs that, that we used to run as well, they're the ones who I think who really need to understand the liability that comes with those types of arrests because nine times out of ten, that, that, uh, that tenant, once that uh, property is recovered, they're, they're happy. They're going back to the store. They don't yeah. give a crap about going to, 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 uh, to court to testify. Yeah. So now you've got a guy... Your guys have somebody under arrest for a, a, an offense that they didn't see, to your point, so they've got no authority to arrest them, and nobody who's going to testify to the fact that they saw that guy commit a crime. So you could be, I mean, you couldn't, you could be sued. You could end up with a guy having a, an injury in your custody that you're liable for, for nothing. For nothing. And, and then, you know, it really comes down to this. The owner of the property, if we're talking about a big office tower shop mall, these are institutional owners like Cadillac Fairview, like the yeah. Royal Bank, like Bank of Montreal, is going to ask you, the manager who's there, who has a duty of care obligation to keep them safe and operate the building safely, how, as a real estate guy, am I being arrested for false arrest, for excessive force? How did you do this to me? Yeah. How is this helping me? Yeah, how is this helping me? I, mean, I hired, you know, I spent, you know, uh, big buildings can spend a million, two million, three million dollars a year on security. So the asset manager, rightly so, would say, I'm spending three million dollars to be protected, and now I'll get sued for two million, and I'm the butt joke of social media and every uh, uh, newscast, six o'clock newscast in Toronto or Calgary or Vancouver. Yeah. It's just absurd. It is absurd. So, so let's take it back a notch. I know. We both got carried away with our with our stories yeah, and, and examples. But let's bring it back. I want to hit on the on on one important aspect of all this, and that is the fact that security guards, just so all our listeners clearly understand, have got no uh, special privilege, no authority above you or I, or any other private citizen for that matter. Right? Uh, the only thing that they can really act on is an act. They have to see it. They have to witness it. It has to be happening in front of them. They don't have the luxury of reasonable grounds like police officers do. And the most important aspect, I think, is the fact that they are not protected by the law like police officers As police are. Officers are so, yeah. so if you guess wrong, you're wearing it, uh, yeah. which goes back to my point. Like if, you, you're, if your guards are acting on, like your example, acting on the manager's uh, say-so of, hey, that guy did it, but he never actually saw the guy do it, you've just stepped into a shit show unwillingly, but you still done it. And if that guy gets hurt because you're arresting him, you're going to win it. Yeah. And, and, and quite honestly, it's not the guard. It's the guard company. It's the building owner that's going to wear it because they're the ones with the deep pocket. The guard's yeah. just going to get fired. Of course. We, 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 and none of this is really necessary. It's all regrettable. Um, go on. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Now you throw me off too. Okay. <laughs> okay, go. Or I'll go. Uh, okay, go ahead. 
Oh, you go. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> All right. Well, the thing that bugs me is, okay, let's bring it back to what we're trying to, to, to connect to. And that is, so I think, you know, for those people who are listening, I think we've, we've been able to, to at least show, give you some inkling as to the issues with loss prevention in particular, but security guards are in the same realm, right? They're asked to act on things all the time, which they probably shouldn't be acting on unless it's something that they've seen and, and, and the serious enough. Okay. Some, some loiter who's peddling pennies on, on the public sidewalk is not a security uh, incident. It shouldn't be, but yet they do it every day. Um, and so the, the fact that they don't have special powers, special authorities, and certainly not on public po- uh, property should give our listeners cause to question their operations if they're doing that. Yeah. Now, what we wanted to add on to that environment, I think, uh, as we were starting off the epi- uh, episode, was let's talk about what's going on with policing these days, and not specifically policing, but the pressures that they're under with all these social justice groups that are out there questioning everything we do. Um, and if you think that police officers are having a hard time of it, hey, they are a hundred times better trained than any security guard that I know, and they're trained constantly every year they're requalifying there's no guards that i know that go through that type of regimen so you're operating security guards if you think police are having a tough time boy you better start looking in the mirror because your guys are going to have even more problems well you know security guards are not police and police are not security guards one is enforcement uh and one is protection and although they're cousins they're different uh, different jobs and their authorities are completely different okay Uh, essentially a security guard as you said has no greater authority than any other citizen although the laws of uh citizens arrest have changed in the last couple of years really what changed was the concept of a fresh pursuit in that yes. you continuously have to have contact with the person you're chasing. So if I see you steal a, a car or a TV and I start chasing you and then I lose sight of you with the old law for a minute and then I see you again, it's no longer a fresh pursuit. Therefore, I don't have any grounds to arrest you. And if I do, I've broken the law. Okay. They changed that where it the fresh pursuit element was taken out. But you still have to find them committing, see them. And the only way you could do it if you're a security guard, let's say for one of the big real estate companies, and a tenant says, stop that man, you could say, and I, you know, we develop policy not to do it, but you legally could say to the tenant, you stop that man, you come with, we'll follow you. Okay, we'll give you the muscle, but you got to stop that man. You got to tell him uh, he's under arrest, and we're assisting someone yes. who has lawful authority to make the arrest. You, uh, as a citizen, they don't do that. And the reason they don't do that is because they're not. They don't under many of them don't understand the law, and, yeah. and they don't understand that when they're operating without color of authority, they are not only putting their employer and the real estate company at great risk, they're putting themselves at risk of being hurt. I mean, they have no protections. The guy turns around and beats the crap out of you. Unlike a police officer that has all sorts of benefits and and, and things to help him and his family, you're on your own. It It is a real serious problem. So let's go to what you're talking about, what's happening with the police now, okay, uh, with all the different organizations uh, there's a lot of tensions out there more so in the states than canada but also uh-huh. in canada and you, you know uh, uh in, in many i won't say in many cases but in some cases law enforcement more so in the states i'd say has brought this on to themselves but they're having trouble dealing with it okay well the police are not security so therefore i'm going to say well that's not my problem although the police are not security too many they can't tell the difference. And security are the police. They're the same, okay? And the problem is that some members of the public think, oh, security is the police, so we're going to treat them the way we're treating the police, and that's not with a lot of respect. The security guard gets seduced by thinking, oh, I'm the police, so I'm going to respond like I saw on TV. And then you have, as you say in French, a shit show. So by knowing your authorities, you can prevent yourself getting into that type of trouble. It's it's It was amazing uh, to me years ago when my wife was, she's a police officer and looking at getting promoted and she had to put together her CV and part of it was her training. And at the time she had 10 or 12 years on, I think she has 22 now. And it was like six pages, single space of training 
online training, hands-on training. Like, you know, there's the annual recall. But throughout the year, there's all sorts of modules. Yeah. There were dozens, well, dozens, I think hundreds of courses. It's a culture of training. People don't get it. You know, people say cops, they just yeah. don't know. What they, they have do. no idea. They have no idea. It's a culture of training. They train all the time. Unless security is willing to go that route, and we're not there yet, and I think we're, we're far from that, we have to realize that these societal pressures that are affecting police, okay, the YouTube culture, the gotcha culture, is starting to affect security guards. And talking to our friends that are still in the business with big operations across Canada, they're starting to see their security guards being taunted. The yep. same type of taunts police are getting. And they're trying to make sure that we get the training and the policies in place so the guards understand, essentially, sticks and stones can break your bones, but names will never hurt, should never hurt you. You cannot react. Because unlike a police officer that may have a grounds to react, and in many cases they just got to take it, you've got nothing. You got zero grounds. I don't like the fact he was taking my picture. He didn't have my permission to mm -hmm. videotape me. He called me a bad name. I told him to leave and he wouldn't leave. Sorry, that doesn't cut it. That's what I, that, that requirement from most of those property owners always made me chuckle the whole, he's taking a picture of the building. Yeah, it's a freaking public building. <laughs> yeah. What, how do you tell somebody not to take a picture? It's one thing if they're being suspicious and there's another, that's a whole different issue. But people coming in to take pictures in front of your fancy display, why do you have it there for if you don't want people to take pictures of it? But they would, they would stop people from doing that. I never understood that. Crazy I, stuff. I, I understand. We had policies that uh, 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 red flags. What are the red flags security yeah. officers should look for? We should look for taking people taking pictures. But we had a caveat. A guy taking a picture of his wife and his three-year-old daughter by the flower display is different than some guy that looks like he's uh, – uh, <laughs> Not from around terrorist. here. <laughs> Looks like a terrorist. And that's terrible because that, that's not how it works. I know. To, to, to make the point. And he's taking a picture of his buddy who uh, uh, came from Iraq standing right beside the door that leads to the generator room. That's a red flag. But even that's not arrestable. So what we train yeah. guards to do, engage these guys. How, how are you? But we also tell them when the guy says get stuffed, you, you know, I'm leaving – there's no grounds for arrest. There's no grounds to detain. You got to suck it up. So my real concern is, and we're going to see more of it, and it's going to be great for my business, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and uh, we're going to have uh, property owners and, and people that run security programs get into real, real trouble. And it's trouble in terms of litigation for wrongful arrest, uh, things of that nature. But I think even greater is going to be people get in trouble for not being sensitive. You know, in 2021, with all that's happened in the world, especially in the United States, okay, and sometimes in Canada, to be racially insensitive, to be insensitive to the fact that there are certain elements of our society that either have perceived ill treatment or have been ill treated, and to walk into it without any sensitivity to someone's stated sexuality or race or culture or religion. I'm not saying that that allows you to break the law, but I mean, you have to have those, that antennae to make yeah. sure you don't step into it. Because I got to tell you something, you get sued because your guard did something stupid for a hundred thousand bucks or a million bucks. You've got insurance, but you do something stupid and you get demonstrated by some protest group because be it PETA, be it Black Lives Matter, be it uh, uh, some environmental group, Greenpeace, okay, you're going to wear that. And you're going you're gonna to annoy someone because there's going to be someone that's important to you, a tenant, some sort of stakeholder that can relate to the people that are boycotting you. And that's because your security guys didn't have the proper oversight or training. And they don't. That, you know, by and large, they don't. Even the best trained guards are not trained a modicum to the level of a police officer. And the no. police officers, are uh, the police departments are dying. Yeah, they're not getting it right. And they got all kinds of training and resources. Yeah. You're, and, and yet you've got, uh, you know, security companies, but the public I'm talking about in general, the expectations they place on security seems to be, uh, you know, a, a good majority of the time, they equate security, to your point, with a police officer, and they're not even close. They're not even in the same realm. And as you were talking about earlier... Yeah, if people, certainly operators uh, of security programs, if they're not aware that there's special sites, 
social media uh, sites that are, are fixated on triggering uh, engagements with security guards for the sake of having a laugh, for the sake of putting it online to show, hey, we got this guy pissed off or we got this guy to do something stupid. Yeah. That's the kind of crap that these guys are dealing with day in and day out. And yet, when the only thing that the property owner is going to always pick up on 100% of the time is, hey, Brian didn't say good morning to me today. Right. Well, Jesus Christ, Brian had a shitty night. He Maybe he had to deal with a guy who got overdosed on opioids, put that guy in an ambulance, or maybe you have to pick him up off the ground because he's already dead. And then he had to go deal with a bunch of skateboarders who are, you know, trashing the fountain and then pummeling him a couple of times with a skateboard, all of which have happened in my career, by the way. So it's not bullshit. No, but I, I don't think most people have a freaking clue what security guards deal with, what they're expected to deal with, and the level of training that doesn't even come close to give them the tools to be able to, to deal with that shit. And that's the yeah. sad part. Yeah, the, the, you know, to, to, to keep dumping on property managers, I guess, and, and even tenants, uh, anal tenants, uh, entitled tenants, yeah. is, uh, hey, that guy is hanging around the food court, okay, and I don't think he belongs because maybe it's a homeless guy, maybe it's a racialized person, you know, whatever, indigenous person, whatever. I mean, you, you know, we operated across Canada, and... Uh, all the big cities have challenges. There's a lot of uh, 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 poverty, indigenous poverty in downtown Edmonton, okay, where we had buildings and, and they would have to deal with things like that. But we were getting into all sorts of trouble and we took a different approach. We started giving people, uh, our guards training, not on handcuffing, not on defense attacks, but on, 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 on dealing with people, on empathy, on understanding. Yeah. So my point is a lot of managers, property managers that I've worked with, a lot of tenants would say, hey, I don't want this person over here. And the property manager says, okay, security, get rid of him. It doesn't work that way. If a person's in your food court drinking a coffee, even though he's a homeless person, even if he smells, okay, if he's there and he's not causing a disturbance, you don't have grounds. And forget about legal grounds. You don't have moral grounds. Yeah. And I, I'm sure like you, I have in my past life refused to, to do things like that when tenants or property managers said, I want you to clear out the food court of these homeless people. It doesn't work like that. I said, put a sign up, a 15-minute uh, uh, limit yeah, at a time. table or things like that. Uh, I can understand if someone isn't, uh, they're just sitting there and they're not uh, uh, buying a coffee or whatever. I understand that. But I said, you got to be careful. It's 50 below zero in January in downtown Edmonton. You put this guy out, okay, and he freezes to death. How are you going to feel and how are you going to look? So these are complicated issues. Again, yeah. going back to what's happening now in policing circles, we're not ready on the security side. Now, some operators are uh, meeting the challenge head on. I think you were involved, Oxford, certainly with David Salston with body-worn mm -hmm. cameras. Yeah. I was a big proponent against it, not because I'm trying to hide anything. Well, actually, yes, because I'm trying to hide <laughs> anything. Yes, because I was a realist. Because I realized that most guards are not properly trained. And I also realized that any video imaging of my guard beating you up is going to be, through disclosure, uh, given to the person that's suing us. Okay? And it's going to be used against us. So my argument, and I had a lot of arguments with you and David. Yes, you did. About this is <laughs> that why would I invest in body-worn cameras? If the body-worn cameras are going to hurt me, they're not going to help me. And, and, and I'll let you come back in a second with that. So I don't believe I was wrong. I'd say I'd rather invest in training and skill set than to see bad behaviors. But you and David had a good comeback to me. Yes, we had nothing but good things with, uh, with uh, Just, our pilots. Yeah. What's that? No, I was going to say nothing but good things. I got excited to say about what I said, but no, <laughs> you said your pilots. No, no, our pilots, and then, and then they ended up being rolled out uh, permanently. But, uh, you know, I think the difference was you tended to hire muscle heads with not a lot of brains. Oh, and we, 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 have, we, we, we hired quality people who are customer-focused, uh, okay. uh, customer-service-focused. You, you, you want to go there? <laughs> so, but my point being is this. Look, it, once I agree 100% you need to have the training, but I also believe that put somebody in front of a camera – and they change their behavior. You don't need training for that. You just need someone with half a brain. And I know plenty of examples that we presented to our management team to show them the value of, of, the, of the, the cameras. You, we would have what we would call people in need because you talk about changing the mindset. When, when I first started in, in the commercial side, it was all about the homeless guy or the druggie. And I'm like, well, how do you know he's homeless and how do you know he takes drugs? Just because the way he looks, that's not yeah. good enough. 
So we changed it to people in need, you know, mental, mental, yeah. um, what's the word for it? Not mental, uh, mental health issues. like Mental health, right, right. Yeah. So those types of changes already changed the mindset. But bringing a camera into the, into the, into the incident, into the formula, or into the environment, sorry, all of a sudden your guard who's in a uniform already, by putting on a uniform, I don't care who you are, you put yeah. on a uniform, that already changes you a bit. Okay, because when I put on my police uniform, I felt like I was something special. Yeah. Whether I was or not is, is irrelevant. Point is, it gives you that feeling like I could take care of business. Now, so the guard is in a uniform. Now you put on a camera. He knows that whatever happens is going to be scrutinized. It takes that self-policing uh, to a different level. He's checking himself a little harder, a little more carefully. Um, and that goes with the with the because we had a whole procedure that went with the the camera, right? We didn't just give them the body cam and set them loose. There was actually a process behind every time they approach somebody, they would say, "Sir, you know, just to let you know, we've got a body camera. You're being recorded right now." And all of a sudden, those uncooperative, aggressive people, nine times out of ten, would suddenly change their personality, and all of a sudden, they were compliant and you know talking a little differently with our guards, whereas. Without the cameras, they were much more easier to say, you know, F you, you piece of crap, you're just the police wannabe, and all that other shit that just further heightened tensions and usually led to a bad outcome. So that's why I think I'm a strong believer in body cams. I think every police department should be have, should be carrying one. There's no reason not, especially this day and age, everyone's got a freaking camera. You know what? I'd rather have a camera that I control that tells my side of the story, too. Yeah. And that's my, my sort of support for it, for sure. Well, you know, as much as I hate to say this, and I think we've been doing this probably almost a year now, I think this is the only second time that I have to admit, uh, and this is on video, that uh, I was wrong and you were right. And what hurts even more than saying you were right, by default, that means that Dave Salston was right. And that one is hard to live with. But yeah, listen, uh, I, I agree. Because... You do the camera, you know, really it was a chicken and egg argument between us. I was just saying, I want to do the training first. I want yeah. to get that well and then get the cameras. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's chicken and egg because I think when you get the camera, it forces you to get the policy to back that yeah. up and the train to go with it. So whatever gets you to the end game works. But, you know, uh, when I started in this industry 40 years ago, policing and then security, I never thought I'd see the day that security officers would wear body-worn cameras. And I realized 10 years ago we didn't have body-worn cameras. My point being, though, be given the technology like police that would be faced with the same type of things as police. When I was in high school, I worked part-time at uh, Pinkerton's, which I think is secure to us today. And my job was I was a watchman in a factory. I was a security guard. I put on the uniform. I felt really important. I yeah. felt big. And my job was to sit at a table for 12 hours, and the three people that came into the Pepsi-Cola bottling plant on a Sunday, I got them to sign in. And to me, that's what security was. And for the longest time, that's all it was, okay? Yeah. But security is morphing into a profession. You know, I'm doing a presentation for a large security company to their account managers, and one of the things that I'm trying to explain to them is that uh, you have to decide what business you're in. Are you in the commodity business or are you in the professional services business? Commodity is price-driven. Toilet paper is a commodity item. An automobile is not a commodity item in the sense that you can get an automobile, a Hyundai, for $20,000, but it's not going to do you if you're looking for a Ferrari, okay? Yeah. Well, toilet paper is toilet paper. I guess you could argue there's two-ply and three-ply, but it's important <laughs> to understand what business you're in. And security is morphing very fast now from being a commodity to a professional regulated service. Now, the regulations have to be self-regulated right now, but that's the opportunity that needs to exist because the challenges these men and women are faced with have never been faced with by security yeah. guards. Even if you look at the environment just two years ago versus today, the last year, since the George Floyd uh, dreadful uh, uh, incident that, that occurred uh, with uh, Derek Chauvin, who was just uh, convicted, I mean, the scrutiny on anyone in a uniform I mean, quite honestly, you wear a uniform that says McDonald's, they may come after you. Yeah. So our, and the McDonald's guy is just saying, do you want uh, sugar with your coffee? The security guy is trying to tell you to get off the property. So yeah. they got to get their act together because people will get hurt and organizations are going to get sued. Yeah, and, and I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to flip it on its head a little here and, and sort of contradict 
what we've been saying all along, but I think it's important to say, and I know we that, were getting uh, along so well. <laughs> no, no, you're going to agree with this. I okay. know you're going to agree with this because uh, I suspect, I know uh, Mike uh, Burgess who was a previous guest uh, would speak uh, to this point as well. And that is that you sh- people listening to this saying that, you know, especially business owners saying that it's just too much risk. You know, we got to do all this training, all these, all these pressures, all these potential poor outcomes, you know, it's better not to do anything at all. And so my caution is that that's not an answer no, either. No. The, the, the answer is really to do an assessment of your, your situation, yes. figure out what your risks are, and then develop a defensible plan, which is something that you always talk about, that you are comfortable defending if it goes sideways on you. To sit there now and say, well, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to do an observant report program, which just fucking drives me crazy because I think it's the, the most naive approach to security out there. The think that you could, you could put a guy in a uniform and station him in front of your property, creating the impression that people are going to be secure because that person's there. And then when shit hits the fan, all he's going to do is stand there and watch. Boy, you've got another thing coming. And I think there's been plenty of case laws coming out, certainly out of the U.S., and it's only a matter of time before they start coming to Canada where that's been proven to be a poor approach as well. And you will be held accountable for that kind of... Yeah, uh, you know, and the risk assessment is important because the security program, the security posture of the building of the organization has to be commensurate to what the risk and threat is. And it's dynamic. Risk and threat is different in every situation. But the program has to be commensurate. And the only way it can be is for the program operator to have a, 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 a proper understanding of the current state of risk and threat. And, and, and that's the first failure in, in most cases. The second thing is when you talk about property managers, asset managers, uh, building uh, prop, uh, business owners saying, you know what, it's just not worth it. Screw it. Uh, you, you know, not only is there a report, I'm not going to have any security. That's yeah. just as bad. And it's it's bad not because I want my friends in the contract security industry to make money. It's bad because you have a duty of care obligation yep. to keep people and property safe that are under your charge. And that means that, you know, what is the measure? It's a simple measure. It's foreseeable risk. So it's not foreseeable that the Taliban is going to attack uh, the Eaton Center. That's not foreseeable, but it is foreseeable that some guy, gangbanger with a gun, can come in. It's not only foreseeable, it's happened. It happened at the Eaton Center, it happened at Yorkdale. So if the property operator says, screw it, I won't have security, they're going to be just as guilty or just as liable and culpable as the guy that has security that's undertrained or overreacts. So the reality is there's no getting away from it. The only way to get away from it is to sell the building, retire, and go golfing in Florida. (laughs) Because if you want to play in in the big leagues, this uh, comes with the real estate. Yeah, but and that's true of every every job out there, every business. The, the the only problem for us is that security continually, we still fighting this thing about being an expense. And that, I think, is only a matter of time before we become savvy enough as an industry to change that uh, conversation and talk about uh, that, uh, expense avoidance, maybe is a better yeah. term, right? Uh, saving money because of uh, uh, avoided costs for liability and insurance and things like that, which I don't think all too often gets included in those discussions about whether or not we should pay guards more or whether we should add a CCTV system and that kind of thing. So, but at the end of the day, I think it comes back to the importance of having the right guards trained properly, because if you don't know the differences between what we've been talking about, whether you chase a guy because uh, they stole a chocolate bar, yeah, you shouldn't. That's a pretty, pretty uh, clear indicator that that's not worth chasing after. But if a guy comes into your, you know, shopper's drug mart with a knife and starts stabbing people, right, you better be able to do something more than just sit there and watch him. And nobody's saying you got to, you know, uh, sacrifice yourself. You're not a cop. No one's asking. No, You can't even ask a cop to sacrifice themselves, okay? So I would never ask a security guard to do that either. But he is there or she is there to fulfill a little higher role than the average employee. They've got a security uniform on. And what I'm getting at is then in that case – we start expanding the conversation a little more. It's not just about training. you got to give them the tools of the trade to do the job. The other thing that bugs me about security guards and loss prevention in particular, when these guys start engaging people and all of a sudden, hey, oh, he doesn't carry cuffs because we don't believe in carrying cuffs. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. He doesn't, or he doesn't carry a vest because we don't believe in, in, in having that aggressive look. Okay, well, let me think for a second there, Mr. Property Manager or Business Owner. 
you know that the, there's people who overdose on opioids who use needles to stab guards. We've had plenty of examples of that. We know that they're aggressive. We know that they're armed with other weapons. So what in the hell gives you the right to risk that guard's life by asking him to do patrols of your property and then not giving him a freaking body vest or a radio to call for help if he does get stabbed? And that's another whole conversation on what needs to happen. And that's a perfect example of what I talked about earlier is a lack of understanding, a lack of knowledge of what the risk and threats are. Unless you do a holistic evaluation, you know, some people call threat risk assessment, some people call the vulnerability assessment, but unless you know what the who the adversaries are, what goes bump in the night, you're going to have business owners and property managers say things that I don't want the guy to wear a vest because it looks aggressive. I don't want him to wear handcuffs. If the, you, you know, maybe they don't need a vest. So for example, mm-hmm. it may not be necessary. You may not yeah. need handcuffs because we're not expecting to do anything other than to sign for the incoming mail type thing. Yeah. But that's a function of the risk assessment or the, the vulnerability assessment you do. That has to happen. Security is not a cost. Security is a benefit. It truly is a benefit. Imagine a world. Imagine a, uh, a facility without security. I call it the quality of life benefits, okay? It's not, we talked about loss prevention officers. Some uh, loss prevention teams measure success by arrest. I measure success by quality of life. Are people happy to come to your facility? Yeah. Do they feel safe in your facility? Are they comfortable to go to the parking garage? Those are quality of life things. And the cost of security is not a cost of money being thrown away. It's a benefit because pe- happy people, content people are tenants that renew leases. They're yeah. customers that come to your retail store. If you have a mall, and the mall is full of bad guys and you're going to meet pickpockets or you could be assaulted. You're not going to go to that mall. So yeah. then you don't go to that mall. That mall won't exist. Tell me then in that case that security was an expense. It is a cost of operation. And it's incumbent. Well, we're going to disagree maybe. But it's incumbent <laughs> on someone, I believe security leaders like us, to educate owners. Yeah and operators, and to stand up and say no. No. You know, I've done it, and I've had managers that work for me have done it, that when managers, uh, property managers, department managers, senior tenants say, I don't want the guard to wear a vest. It looks militaristic. I say, appreciate your your comments, but based on our assessment analysis, we're going to wear them. And I had one guard, who, uh, one manager that worked for me, told his property manager that he would quit before he tells those guards to take off the vest. Because wow. he, he did a risk assessment, and he was able to demonstrate there was a need for that protective gear because the number of guards that were hurt. There's also under the Occupational Health and Safety Act, you know, an employer, and you can make the argument that some of the employee security guards is a de facto employer, has a responsibility under law with criminal sanctions to make sure that the guards have the tools to do their job. You know, yeah. if, if your boss, Luke, told you to go inside that burning building and say, look for uh, someone that's trapped, and you'd say no, he or she couldn't fire you. If you're a fireman, same set of circumstances yeah. said no, he'd fire you. What's the difference? Because that fireman is trained and he has the equipment to do it. You don't. Same thing with the guards. Yeah. Yep, I agree. I, I, I'm just... I'm still hung up on that term where you said, imagine a society without uh, security. And I'm just thinking, well, we have that down south. Look at some of those cities. There is no security. The police are nowhere to be found. They're not responding. And it's ugly. (laughs) Well, you you know, I'll tell you, and I know we'll probably, or I'll probably offend some listeners. And if we do, I'm sorry. But, you know, one of the things I think you listen, one of the reasons you listen to this podcast is you like our honesty. But I would tell you the U.S. is in a very dangerous state right now. Just consider this. With the beatings that police in the states have taken, I mean the beatings in the press and the media, you know, on CNN, on Fox and all this type of stuff, Congress turning on them uh, in the last couple of years, some of it deserved, perhaps a lot of it deserved, but not all of it deserved, okay? With the amount of scrutiny on police interactions, especially with racialized communities, and then I heard yesterday a black man was shot by police. Do you think there's any policeman in their right mind in the States that wants to encounter yeah. a, a sensitive situation and is going to do something stupid? I mean, you have to ask yourself, if in spite of all that's happening, someone got shot, what the hell was behind it? Racism? Yeah. 
No, you know what? Guys just want to go home. So what concerns me is that the police, to your point, uh, are going to uh, uh, not engage. We we saw this a little bit in Toronto after the carding incident, but certainly in the states, they're just going to look the other way. The Foley uh, frigate, uh, frig off and leave it. I know. Fighter, <laughs> fighter, if you would drive on. Your yeah, car. exactly. Yeah. It existed yeah, back then. And that, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's not good for anyone. So you, you know, we got to be careful what we ask for. I'll bring it back to COVID. I, you know, I have a lot of good debates with my son, and he really gets annoyed with some of the uh, <laughs> measures the government has taken. And I say, okay, so you're upset with the lockdown, or you're upset with this or that? Okay, okay. So what would you like to see? Nothing? Okay. So let's say we do nothing. Let's say cases go from 4,000 to 14,000 or like India, 40,000 a day or 200,000 a day. What are you going to call Doug Ford then? I mean, it's easy to be critical, okay? But the reality is someone and our political leaders, our police officers, and our security guards need to uh, deal with it, deal with the mess that we're creating yeah. for them. And, you know, in some cases, many security guards, as I said, are professional. They're really good at what they do. Some of them, that's their career. Others of them want to be in policing. So they're really trying to learn along the way. But others, I don't think there's any bad people. in poli- There's not many bad people. There's not a lot of headbangers in, in security. They're in it for the right reasons. They're in it to support their families. They're in it to, you know, uh, uh, learn a skill. But uh, some of them, on the lower end, are too ill-informed to realize the jeopardy they're in and they're placing everyone else in by their actions. I have a great video. I was going to show it to this client's managers, which basically is about bad security, and it showed two guys dressed up as security guards. One guy's turning the other one. And he's showing the radio, and he says, uh, 10-4, Roger Wilco. So the guy says, oh, that's cool. I understand it. Yeah, 10-4, cool spaghetti, looks really good. And he's just making all these stupid things, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's the security we're talking about. Not the yeah. bulk of them that do it right, but it's that minority that get themselves in trouble and get everyone else in trouble. Yeah. So I, I, I think it really has to be a wake-up call. It's like COVID. You, you, you know, it might be too late. The variants are here. Well, I got to tell you, on the security side of the fence, the variants, the, 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 the trouble is starting to come. Uh, it's not yet too late, but if you as a business owner of an operator of a security program, if you put your head in the sand, you're going to get eaten up. Yep. And that's a good place to uh, close this, this episode up. Um, I think, you know, just one other quick point. I think one of the significant challenges for, for security is that we have such a short time span with, with the people who come into the business, um, and which I think really hurts which hurts us. There's not really too many legitimate career paths in in our business right yes. now. Um, not at the third level. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're yeah. in there for some of them six months, some of them two. Yeah. Two years, you're very lucky. Three you're years, lucky. God, you're very lucky. So I think that's a, that's a big challenge, a hurdle for us to overcome and certainly causes its problems because they're not around long enough to get the experience that we've had to, uh, you know, live through our own experience. So they, they don't get that chance. So it's a little unfair to to put all that burden on them but i think at the end of the day like you say it's in it's coming it's in front of us um our guards need to know their limits Stop getting back to the title know your limits you know to, speaking to any security practitioners out there it, if they don't understand their limits then they better open up a book quick because they're the ones who deal with it every day but to the ones who pay their salaries the businesses the providers the clients i suggest strongly that you also figure out what their limits are and make sure your policies and procedures are, are, are providing the framework under which they can operate safely and without putting you, the business, in jeopardy. Yeah, and listen, I want to echo what you said. You, you know, you and I, in the past, we've had a lot of discussions, uh, and, and I've come across, uh, because you don't listen properly, of being anti-guard. This is not a guard thing. If there's a bad guard, if there's an untrained guard, it's not like the guard uh, 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 trained himself. This is not the guards. I mean, if you hire the right people, okay, or the responsibility of hiring is with the oversight, is with the managers, is with the operators, the responsibility of training. The problem is never the guards. And if a guard is completely inept 
and you have proper oversight, you'll get rid of him during the probation period. You'll get rid of him in a week or two. But that's not happening. So I think we fix this problem, quite honestly, by having uh, several things have to happen. Effective oversight, proper training, professionalization. But I also think, to your point, um, I hate to use this term, but a living wage. We yes. we got to if we don't want to be in the commodity, aka toilet paper business, we can't pay people like toilet paper vendors. Yeah. And, and 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 you know, I don't know why security is not a career. I don't know why guards aren't making sixty or seventy thousand dollars a year or more. I tell you, in the private sector, I worked years ago for an American company, a uh, a fortune company, and guards guards were making then like forty thousand dollars a year, which would be like sixty seventy today type thing. That's so, like what the sixties, fifties for you? What was it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was back in the sixties. Fifty thousand dollars or the year of our Lord fifty. Yes, uh, yeah. so you're on horseback. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, I, you know, if I was at the engineering council, I would. Uh, delete that last piece <laughs> but, but 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 the point is that we have to you know it makes no sense that a private sector guard makes fifty sixty thousand dollars a year and a guard that works for one of the big companies is making minimum wage and you know it's not the company's fault it's the employer's fault so really buyer beware if you want to save money and you don't want to buy a quality product you want to buy a used etzel and not a brand new Ford, you'll save a lot of money, but come talk to me in a month and tell me how you're enjoying the experience. So yeah. it's just a matter of time. Or it breaks down, you're right. Yeah. All right, on that, we're past our time limit, oh, Brian. I think that, before what, before what, you go, I'm just curious. Uh, I want to check your age because you got the COVID. And uh, 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 do you know what an Etzel is? Yes. It's okay, the car that's in your park, in your garage. <laughs> yeah, it's a good car. I've maintained it. Boy, how old are you? Oh, you tell me afterwards. <laughs> you're, like, you're like a compatriot. We could be like brothers from a different mother. Oh, God, Jesus. That would be something. Uh, all right. We're up on time, Brian. And I think it's, uh, it's a good, good one today. I like to see you get angry for a change. You got a lot of, <laughs> lot of fire in you today. So I'm only sorry I can't be over here to put it out with a couple of drinks of scotch or something. But uh, that's coming. You have your vaccination. I have mine. Soon we'll be able to. Yeah, soon we'll be able to. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so with that, folks, we're gonna, we're going to sign off and enjoy the rest of the day, and we'll see you at the next one. Take care, everyone. Bye bye. Bye bye. That concludes this podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and will join us in a couple of weeks for our latest episode. Please remember to like and follow us on our sponsor's webpage, brianclayman.com, where you can leave us your comments and suggest topics you'd like to hear about in future episodes. Until next time, thanks for listening and don't forget to protect your assets.